2: Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer you direction and help you reach your goals, but you have to have your own plans and you have to have your own committed effort. My interviews that I do on Money Making Conversations for the consumer and business owner offer access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is a combination celebrity and an industry decision maker. He's Jason George. He's starring in the midseason return of Station 19 that airs on Thursday, March 11th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC. George is also known for his work as a regular of uh, Mistresses, Eve, Off Center, and Eli Stone, as well as films Witches of East. East East, East End, excuse me, The Climb and Barbershop. After several years on Grey's Anatomy as Dr. Ben Warren, George turned in his scrubs for firefighter gear when his character helped start the spin-off hit action drama series, Station 19, about heroic firefighters. Now, George moved seamlessly between both series. We'll be talking about his career from comedy to soap operas to drama to action adventure and acting in production during COVID-19. Please welcome to a man I've seen many, many years, always from afar, I always wanted to cast him on my show's but he was always working, Jason George. <laughs> I know How Jason. Are you doing, Jason? How you doing? Oh, good, good, good. You know, when I say that, man, you know, because we all—I uh, know—I started writing back in '92 on my first sitcom on ABC with Steve Harvey, and then I went to uh, the Robert Townsend, and then I did Arsenio's mm-hmm. ABC S C. The Greats, the Greats, and, <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and but all the time I saw you working; you was always busy. And and I like to believe that you—you—you've had a working man's career, which is a blessing because of the fact it's a testament to your talent. But this is not what you wanted to do, or, or was supposed to do law was supposed to be your your destiny correct
3: yeah 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 that's exactly it um i had gotten with the vice principal my high school Mm -hmm. was uh but but, you know i was like i was a good student but i was also a cut up so Mm -hmm. i'd be like getting good grades but in detention all the time and (laughs) the vice principal would be like why you want to be you know he's one of the few black men i saw in education at the time Mm -hmm. My mother was a teacher where I grew mm-hmm. up. And, uh, and Mr. Hassell would put me aside and he'd be like, why why are you make me want to give you detention? Why are you trying to get detention right. all the time? And then right. he would like actually sit there and talk to me like I was an intelligent human being. Right. And then say, you got detention, but you got potential as well. And, uh, and his son was he passed away my senior year. Wow. Uh, Mr. Hassell, my mm-hmm. vice principal. And his son was only the second uh, black Supreme Court justice of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, he was, And he was the youngest Supreme Court justice that Virginia had ever had mm-hmm. And his son and I got to be good friends And he became my mentor And basically the plan was you go to college You get the grades, I'll write the recommendation Get you into the best law school we can get you into mm-hmm. You come back, you clerk for me And then you're a made man as a lawyer in the state of Virginia And you're right. done, mm-hmm. career right. ahead of you mm-hmm. And then I went to college And took an acting class And it all went to hell Right. Uh, I had, to, I called an audible, uh, changed up the plan and I never told my father that I was going to go to uh graduate school to study acting because my, right. uh, my father was checked out for a bit. My mom and I had a really beautiful conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And then I had to talk to the judge. Yeah. Uh, he was you know, the, the, one of the big male role models in my life. And I had to tell the judge and it was just stone cold silence on the phone for a minute. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he was right. not feeling it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but fortunately it worked out and years later, Signed some autographs for some people in his
2: office and we were cool. cool. You know, know, Jason, it's really interesting because when I when I talk about individuals like you who sometimes people see a different direction and sometimes people get trapped. In that direction that people want you to go, and I, I know that uh, I was at IBM. I had a degree in mathematics, and so everybody was happy. They thought that was the career path. And I decided one day, uh, I want to be, I want to pursue my career as a stand-up comedian. So a lot of people looked at me strange. Well, how are you going to walk away from IBM? You got a math degree that has nothing to do with telling jokes. How were you made that? So I can understand when you said there was silence on the phone because that wasn't the vision that person had for you. And right. and you encountered that a lot because you do a lot of community work. You work with young people. You work with the. Mm-hmm. You try to shape people's lives. Does your life come into play when you're giving people advice?
3: All the time, all the time. I try and tell them. I say, look, um, you got to you know, like you, we were talking just before the show started. You were saying, you all good actors are good listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell folks, part of your job is, as an actor or just as a person in life, part of the way to finding success is you got to listen guy's whispering in your ear right mm-hmm. uh, that all the time that whispers in but you got to be uh, you got to be quiet enough at times that you can hear it and then you got to be loud enough at times to make yourself heard right um and so it's that thing when you realize that this really this thing that everybody else wants for you is not what is meant you right. um you got to be then you got to make yourself loud but right. you got to be quiet enough to be able to hear that every once in a while and the reality is you know there's a difference between surviving and thriving Right. You know, you mm-hmm. don't want to just get by. You want to live. Right. And you realize, you know, I remember I, it was years. I went to my, my cousin's wedding back in Louisiana and uh, one of his friends, like my uh, my cousin, he, he was kind of like his little brother. Right. Uh, kind of like his uh, his adopted little brother. And this dude was, you know, grown man now. And he said, what's it like? And I assumed he meant like acting. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I said, I said, what? Being an actor? He goes, no, nah, like really enjoying what you do. Wow. Uh, because he was a, he was an accountant. Mm-hmm. And I was I was knocked out by it. I was mm-hmm. like, how can you not enjoy like my accountant? The reason why my accountant is my accountant is because this dude's <laughs> geeked out by being able to do his yeah. calculator one handed. Like mm-hmm. he loves seeing the numbers right. match out like he enjoys that.
2: Right. Uh,
3: you don't have to enjoy every aspect of your job, Virtually nobody does. Even actors don't. But you mm-hmm. got to enjoy. you got to find something in it that that gets you excited That gets that makes you excited about going to work every once in a while, if not right. every day. And, and, you know, and the way he said it, I felt like there, if there's nothing there, that's that's a problem, dude. You need to reevaluate your life.
2: <laughs> really, because I know that like when I tell people I have a degree in mathematics, you know, I also tell people I don't do my taxes. Cause, you know, that is not what I do. You know what I'm saying? Just cause I know yeah. numbers don't mean I know taxes. And I can agree with you. What you were saying is that, you know, I, when I look at a life, you know, longevity is really interesting when you start looking at decisions that you make and you, you know, and I don't question any decision I've made, George. I, I just live it because of the fact that it was the next step of opportunity. And if you live on regret, then you really, you have an interesting life that you should. Sit down and think about it like your friend, like that person you talked to who's an accountant. He's living a life of regret, which is also going to spill over into other things, your relationship, how you raise your kids, and you have to be happy. What drives you to keep that sustain that, you know, you're in shape, you know, you, 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 you are a working actor. How, what, what, what sustains you, George? You know what's funny
3: is for me, it's, there's internal motivations and there's external motivations. Right. Like external motivations are like people telling you to do something, deadlines you got to do, and you right. need some of that. I mean, right. some of that's what keeps you, you know, going. You know, uh, you know, like if somebody walks up, they just patch you on the belly so you're getting a little big down there. Right. That's an external motivation. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, <laughs> ain't nobody looking for that. But um, the truth is. I enjoy how I feel when I exercise. You know, I grew up an athlete. I was captain of my track team. Mm-hmm. I grew up with you know friends, you know, you know, and, you know, playing football in the backyard on the regular. And so that's I just like how I feel when I do that. That's that internal motivation is mm-hmm. I like knowing that I can still you know I'm not 25 anymore, but I like knowing that I can still outrun some 25 year olds. Right, right. I like right. keeping that tight. Right, I think right. that's a good look. I like that look. <laughs> um, and the same thing is like you know when I discovered acting, it was. I discovered things in myself that were interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And when I play new characters, I discover new things about myself. And so there's that internal motivation of what can I find out about me? Let's see if I can pull this off. Let me see Mm -hmm. if I can pull that off. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge. You know, the challenges are that internal motivation. And so for me, it's about finding some of those. Like, I know, like, you know, you want me to get something, you know, a script written or a paper written or something like that. I need a deadline. You know what I mean, but when it comes to working out or acting challenges, mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. and I guess that's part of the thing as well. When you find out, you know, when you're trying to figure out what is that thing that you're in love with? If you don't need anybody else to push you because you push yourself, you're internally motivated. That's probably the thing you're meant to be doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, if you just love looking at the challenge and we're running. And then that's the thing that for me, like, you know, I knew a dude when I when I ran track who you know, you're supposed to draft the people in front of you when mm-hmm. you're running long distance, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, stay with the pack so you save mm-hmm. some energy so you have some energy at the end to break out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, will, he only had one speed, full out, right, full out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, if I'm not hitting my personal best, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And I, I understand the wisdom of both sides, but I always kind of feel the heat of what he's talking about. I got to be pushing me at the end of the day. So, I, you know, I'm I balancing it two. It's like I may run with the pack for a little bit, but then when I break out, it's about getting my personal best. So right. you always got to be measuring yourself and it's got to be internally motivated.
2: And that's what I said in the beginning when I set up the show is about, you know, we read other people's stories, But what passion and what drive keeps you going? What's your planning? What's your committed effort? And that's what you talk about. Committed effort. Now, when I look at you, let's go over real, Jason, you're a handsome guy. On your show, (laughs) we're going to get to a good story. It's going to be a good. It's not going to be a, I'll take it. I'll take it. You you can take it and and keep it because you've been living with it all your life. And that's a good thing. Now on, now on, you know, station 19, you got my boy Boris Kojo, who I know really well. I've been knowing Boris through all these sitcoms. Good looking guy. And I think he's doing some of his best acting on this on this on station 18. I mean, his his nuances, his uh, you know, uh frustration, uh uh being a guy who has a drug issue and really showing a, a wrong character. And and I reason I say that because a lot of casting goes in into how you look and then people will sometimes not give you credit because of how you look uh, or you was cast for this particular reason. And I, I'm, I'm so proud when I see what Boris is doing on Station 19 this season because of the fact that, you know, many years, I know I would cast him because he was a good-looking guy on sitcoms. You know, we need a good-looking mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. in the scene. Okay, let's Boris, and he could act as well, and he can deal with comedic lines. What point in your brand and your career, because I remember, your know, Eve, you was a good-looking guy. You was the stud. You know, on, on Eve, you know, and so but that was a good thing because you were getting a check and you was accomplishing your task. But in the process, you just want a job. So with all that being said, what, what's the ultimate goal? Getting a job or being respected for your acting?
3: No, you want to be respected for your acting because look, I always look at it like, you know. Is, you know, it's like, uh, like I tell my kids, you know, like my kids are empirically speaking good looking kids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're some beautiful children. Mm-hmm. I tell them, like, that's your mom and me. They ain't got, you know, <laughs> but if you're in shape, that's <laughs> that you can say that's on you. Right. Uh, right. What mm-hmm. you do in school, what you do, what you accomplish, what you create, you did that. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like, so for me, getting being respected as an actor is that thing. And so when I get things that challenge me that have nothing to do with a look or likability, and the fun thing is that also we're at a spot and in film and television, where especially in television, where um, likability is not necessarily the point, we want interesting. Mm-hmm. We want interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they threw Boris the whole uh, you know drug addiction situation, and that's when, and he got a chance to show up what he's capable of because you know you got to you got to get ugly for a second, right? You got to go to an ugly place and you got to mm-hmm. do ugly things. And I love when I get opportunities to do that. I mean, I played uh, you know. You know, war veterans who who mm-hmm. uh, lose limbs and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I, pl- I played. You know, I mean, everybody forgets that. You know, in Barbershop, I was. You know, even I played boyfriend and girlfriend in Barbershop before yes. we were on the sitcom Eve. Right. And on Eve, I was a pretty good guy. In Barbershop, right. I was a dog. Oh, you dog now? I was a dog, <laughs> and it was you know, yeah. And, and playing, and playing the playing people who break break the rules is mm-hmm. a lot more fun mm-hmm. because. I don't do that uh, in, in real life. I don't break rules that I believe in, in real life. Um, if I don't believe in your rules, then I'm going to just keep them moving. And, you know, that's, and everybody who knows me, you know, is like, I, uh, you know, it's better, I, my favorite phrase, my wife gets frustrated with it, is it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do. And then I'll, I'll find out if there's a rule saying I shouldn't do it later on. Um, but, you know, so if you do that in the character, that's that's much more interesting. So I'm much more interested in the challenges of acting than I am in how I look and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's like, you know, I love working out. I love right. work. I enjoy exercising. Right. But when it feels like it's an expectation, right. I, I want to go eat a pizza just to, like, you know, tell people to step back. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm I'm a little contrarian in that way. Well, um, that's a good but, thing. That's but I'm not thing. stupid. Right. I, you know, yeah. I enjoy them I'm not going to cut off my <laughs> nose to spite my face.
2: Absolutely. You know, uh, Greg is at Grey's Anatomy. You know, you're regular. Dr. Ben Warren. Then you get the call. Uh, we wanted to, uh, you know, off and a new show, you know, there are no guarantees on a new series, you know, mm-hmm. and uh how does that, you know, when they tell you, they want you to do this, you know, Chandra Rhymes R- R- is asking you to do this, I'm assuming to make this a uh, move. So what were the thoughts running through your mind when this process was being pulled? Because you had the ability to go between both a doctor and a firefighter in the series. Talk about that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, when it first came up for, you know, when you first get the call that, you know, Shonda Rhimes wants wants to talk to you at five o'clock today. You think am I getting You think am I getting fired? Am I getting fired? Is is this, is this that call? Is this is that call. And then uh, and then we we got on the phone and uh, Shonda and I have been working together for a few years at that point. And in uh, her producing partner Betsy Beers is, is also a good friend and and they were like, listen, you know, we're talking about doing the spinoff series and we want. Ben to go from being a doctor to being a firefighter. And the, uh, Stacy McKee who created station 19 had written one of the last episodes of Grey's Anatomy the previous season. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, there was a massive fire at the hospital. And Ben at the time you find out was deathly afraid of fire mm-hmm. that, you know, dude had a phobia of fire. It's mm-hmm. not, his, not his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not feeling the fire, but he runs back in, grabs a firefighters and runs back in to try and save a friend. Mm-hmm. And then when he doesn't die, that adrenaline junkie thing that they'd already established in Ben—that he he gets he, that he loves the adrenaline—kicks mm-hmm. uh, in, and he goes after the challenge, and that's part of what leads to him becoming a firefighter. And I didn't realize they were going that route, but uh, it turns out they kind of set it up a little bit, you know, right. and, you know, for me to move in that direction. So it, I wasn't getting fired; I was, in fact, getting a new <laughs> job and got to be on the ground floor of building a new, new, new. Part of the Grey's Anatomy world, a new part of Shondaland, which that's that's the dream. Is you want to be part of, you know, Grey's Anatomy was Grey's Anatomy long before I came on. It was right. going to be Grey's Anatomy long after I left. Right. Mm-hmm. But I got to be part of helping create what Station 19 was from the ground, and so that challenge I was excited about. That said, you know, believe I was like, but listen, you know, I'm still a doctor, so the show <laughs> don't take. You can, I can come back and be a doctor, right? Right. <laughs> You're <laughs> You're like, yes, perfect. yes, you can, you can come back if you need me, but you know. But they're like, it's going to be good, though. And it's been great.
1: It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to Midnight Mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws.
2: you know, the, but the interesting thing about it, this is when we talk about acting and, you know, because there's credibility in each role. You know, there's the physicality of being a firefighter in Station 18, but there's the intellect and the caring and the passion and the bedside manner that comes with being a doctor in Grey's Anatomy. The dynamics and preparing for each role. Tell us about first grays Anatomy and then transitioning over to the physicality of Station 19. Was it an easy transition What the more difficulties on grays Anatomy as a doctor?
3: I don't know if easy is the word I would use. I mean, listen, you know, Gray's Anatomy is, you know, you've got language that you're using yes. all the, you know crazy amounts of Latin words and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, which. I took Latin a little bit in high school because mm-hmm. when I thought I was going to be a lawyer, I mm-hmm. was like, so, you know, hominem, you know, you say words, you know, like, you know, I don't remember what any of the words mean, but I can say them. Right. <laughs> I can say them and I know, I know how the sound should come out. So I could sound like a doctor real easy. That that part came easily to me and plus, doctors are wearing basically pajamas all day. You're in right. your scrubs, right. you're chilling mm-hmm. all day. My, mm-hmm. my, uh, my, my, my play cuz is a. I lived with him when I first came out here. He's an anesthesia to L- LA. He's an anesthesiologist. Right. I think I saw him outside of scrubs twice in three years. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and so we do a lot of eye acting when you're in surgery, you're standing in one spot. And mm-hmm. so a lot of it is your, your face is covered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're looking intensely with your eyes during the surgery and that sort of thing. And so it's about getting focused. It's about turning it into a laser beam, mm-hmm. right? Uh, all the energy that you have as an actor. And that's all interesting and fun. And, uh, but then when you go to Station 19, just the, the outfit you're wearing, the turnouts, the fireproof uh, mm-hmm. gear that the firefighters wear, that weighs 45 pounds plus another 15, 20 pounds of the oxygen tank that we rock in our back. Mm-hmm. So you got 60 pounds of wow. gear that you're wearing and you've got to get dressed in this gear, head to toe, zipped up so it's fireproof inside of a minute. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, real firefighters will tell you, if you take longer than 30 seconds, they're going to talk bad about you. <laughs> um, so while you technically have a minute, if you te- if you if you have 40 seconds, 45 seconds, they're like, mm, dude, you don't get to go to the fire with me. You gotta right. go to the B shift. Right. A right. shift A shift get it done in 30 seconds. So if getting dressed is hard, you know you understand that there's a whole other level of physicality. Right. Uh, and I was ready for that. I was ready to bust out physically. And so running upstairs, and I, you know, I told him first out, I said, look, I have no fear of heights. Right. I love jumping off of stuff and dangling from side. I said, so you pretty much. Put me through it, do it. And so they would get mad at me for the first couple of seasons because they'd have a 40 foot ladder going up mm-hmm. to the fourth story of a building. And don't tell me to climb it if you only want me to climb like six steps and y'all cut, because I'll get up 20, 30, you know, I'll be up to the second, third, floor. they're like, they're yelling. They're like, insurance won't let you do that. <laughs> oh, Stop wow. It. Stop <laughs> okay. it. And I was like, yo, y'all gave me a ladder. So I'm going right. to climb it. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I was written you know, I me. Mean, that's how I get down. So mm-hmm. it, uh, it's definitely a different thing. And then trying to find a way to bring that intensity into the acting and into the performances while still bringing in the fact that these, these firefighters care so much about the people. That's the fun thing is that when you're standing still and talking to people over their bed in a hospital, it's easier to let that caring come through that emotion, that empathy come through. But when you're trying to drag somebody out of a fire, when you're trying to drag somebody out of a situation or carry them over your shoulder and that sort of thing, it's, you finding a way to let that empathy be seen. Cause the reality is if you've ever met a firefighter, if you've met any of these first responders, they have the biggest hearts. I mean, they, they have gallows humor like doctors do in the same kind. They'll make jokes just like soldiers do. And right. you know, like they'll make jokes that are inappropriate in mm-hmm. so many ways because they see the worst things in the world. Right. But you want to see a firefighter in tears in their eyes, let them see when a kid gets hurt. Wow. Um, catch them when a the kid gets hurt. And mm-hmm. then you realize how big their hearts are. And so, that for me was, or how much they care about each other. Like uh, we, um, we had this one, one of our fire tech consultants, uh, showed me this documentary they made back when he was in Detroit, and he called him his fire dad. So he would point to this one gentleman, now this is a, this is a young white guy, uh, but his fire dad was his old brother, this old black gentleman uh, back there. And as soon as he started talking about him, his eyes get teary because he loves that man so much. Wow. He said he taught me about being a firefighter, taught me about being a man, taught me about how you know how to survive emotionally when you lose people and that let's that's the thing that emotionally has been the most fun as an actor the physicality is all great and fun but you need to find a way to get that level and depth of emotion uh, that these men and women have to come out in the middle of all that action and that's been the challenge and that's been the most fun part is I think the writer set us up and I feel like the entire cast does a beautiful job of it.
2: Well, the thing about the show, I called um, Station 19, I'm talking to Jay, interviewing Jason George, one of the stars of Station 19 on Thursday, March 11th. It returns 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC. I tell the series is a tell it like it is series. You know, you have strong black dynamic character storylines, great uh, gay and lesbian transgender storylines, and mm-hmm. it plays itself out in a real world environment. You have under, you know, commitment, non-commitment. That's a lot of dynamics. You have Family. In fact, in the season end, you had to deal with the death in your family and revealing that information out to your children. Talk about that. Those those different when you had a table read or you going through all these characters and your character plays a major role and and seamlessly has to associate itself with all these different lifestyles, these different uh, emotions. But the, but keeping it real though, that's what I really enjoy about the series Station 19.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's a beautiful situation because it's what's happening more and more in television and film yes. in general, but mm-hmm. Shondaland was kind of right at the crest of that wave that mm-hmm. we're going to tell a diverse group of stories and make everybody realize that your story is not that different from my story. You mm-hmm. mean, uh, and so the, the diversity that we have on screen is largely supported by the fact that they have diversity in the writer's room right? and diversity. You know, I mean, I've never worked with more female directors, more directors of color, black directors. Um, than I have since I've been in Shondaland. And so when you have that behind the scenes, that lets real authentic stories get told on screen. Right. And so when we get into that, it, it makes it, you know, it makes it really interesting and, and, and uh, fun as an actor to play. It's a, it presents these challenges. And so we're able to tell all these different aspects that haven't always gotten much play on, you know, on television. I mean, the reality is, we, you know, there's a term in, uh, in, uh, in Black Hollywood uh, you know, I started my career as the BBS, oftentimes, the black best friend, right? You know, my job was to show up in, uh, and ask the white male lead, you know, hey, man, how was your day? Right. So he can talk about his love problems and mm-hmm. things going on in his life. And I mm-hmm. go, well, it's tough. And then that's that's my job. Mm-hmm. You know, and I collect my check and go home. But now everybody, everybody. Uh, has a real full life. And the right. fact that, you know, Shonda Rhimes is why they create these ensemble shows to make sure that everybody, and, and it also works great for an actor because, you know, I've got an episode that we're about to shoot starting this week mm-hmm. where I'm in almost every scene and I'm, I'm working every day. And then we'll have an episode, two episodes from now where I'll show up for two days. Right. And we, because they rotate, it means I get, as right. an actor, get to have a life outside of the show um i get to be with my family my kids and then i'm like by the way kids you're not gonna see me this week dad's gonna go to work at six o'clock in the morning come home at eight or nine o'clock and you're not gonna see me much because i'm in deep this one but then a couple of weeks after that you know they get to see me and i get to be around so right. they uh that diversity creates a big atmosphere big ensemble and they get to tell a lot of different kinds of stories which is what i think america needs right now is they need to hear some of the stories that haven't been told all those underrepresented communities that have been dying to see themselves and hear their own stories told, uh, now we are starting to get told more and more on television, especially on shows like Station 19.
2: Well, if Station 18, when it comes back, like I said earlier, you know, that uh, in the season finale, you know, it's a dramatic one. You know, uh, I guess it was a sexual trafficking situation that was broken up in the mm-hmm. end. Uh, the police showed up. I didn't really want to show up. And, you know, uh, my man Miller, he got arrested. And then uh, Sullivan, he hit, I think he hit a cop. He got arrested and then we at that world that we in today, the kind of like the George Floyd world that we in where cops don't have an understanding of people of color or people. Was that, was that important to see that play out on your show? Cause like I always tell everybody, station 18, you want to see a real slice of life as it plays out and character relationships. In other words, we all can get along if we understand each other values. That's that, that finale was powerful to me. How is that leading to the premiere episode March 11th?
3: Oh, we're going to pick up with that storyline. I mean, that storyline is going to travel through for a little bit uh, mm-hmm. of the difficulties with it. I mean, we did a, we did a story last season where uh, we were all, all the firefighters were meeting with a, a therapist, uh, right. a psychiatrist, and we were talking about our, our problems. And you find out that recently Ben had a scenario where a police officer pulled him out of the car and made him lay face down on the ground. Right. Uh, till he got his wallet out and that sort of thing, based on nothing, based on nothing that Ben had done. A scenario that, you know, most black people, certainly, you know, the eyes of black men have lived a couple of different times, um, you know, driving while black. And it was a powerful episode because the whole idea, the reason why that was powerful for me to do and why I really want to make sure that it happened was that. People want to say, well, George Floyd was doing, was was he writing a bad check? Was he, well, he was in the middle of committing a crime. Well, if he hadn't been someplace doing something with the wrong people. And I'm like, no, here's what you're not hearing. It doesn't matter who you were with, what yes. you were doing, driving while black can happen to anybody, yes. including a firefighter, surgeon, uh, anesthesiologist, right. you know, one of the good ones, mm-hmm. because they don't know who you are right. until, they, until they get to know you. And mm-hmm. right now you're just a black man in the car. Right. So that that kind of that level of judgment was important to show that who you are and what you are about and all your accomplishments. They can't see that up front. Um, And so they can't see the firefighter outfit. But then but then uh, credit to Akriete another one who uh, plays Dean Miller. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, everybody calls him who plays mm-hmm. Dean Miller. He really helped push and said we, you know, that storyline can't just be a one off. And so that's one of the Thank reasons you. why and God bless Krista Vernoff, our showrunner. She's really about making great entertainment, but also trying to make people think, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. educate a little bit. Maybe you're going to have to deal with these issues. So they brought it back. And that's where you have uh, you know, these firefighters who are out of uniform getting treated some kind of way by police officers. You know, and, and this, it, I think they do a beautiful job of making a balance because there's the one cop who is not having any of it, you know, you know, and puts the, you know, just slams Dean on the, the hood of the car. And then there's another cop who, you know, has a problem with it, but he's not the superior officer. So he just kind of goes along. You know, and when it all uh, started that when, they slammed, that when they slammed when they slammed
2: the young girl's mother on the hood of the car. That's what that's what exactly. just got it all triggered, treating a woman like that, you know, in public exactly. like that. That's but what is it. Treating say. a
3: woman like that and treating her like that because you don't necessarily believe the situation is yes. that you yes. don't give the credibility to them when she says my child is stuck in there. You right. know, and uh and the show's done a lot of different things. I mean, like, you know, there's an episode where uh Chandra Wilson, uh, who plays Bailey, my character's wife, on the show. Uh, beloved character phenomenal actress they did a few episodes where she had a heart attack Mm -hmm. and the doctors are trying to tell her you're you're not you're not having a heart attack and she's like i am a chief of surgery at (laughs) graceful memorial i know what's going on because black women present heart attacks heart Mm -hmm. problems Mm -hmm. different than white men right uh different than white folks and she and it's like your assumptions of me are different because and they just did an episode on grace where they did it same thing with uh an Asian American character because there are, there are health problems that present differently mm-hmm. in the Asian American community you know and it's and it just hit they hit those issues that there's you know a million different you know sexual aids for men but mm-hmm. that many for women mm-hmm. that uh you know who's in charge makes the rules so they're just trying to point up all those different things so but they fought to bring that storyline back about the social justice right in this show right and uh use sex trafficking because you know and I've been pushing for that storyline on the wow. show for a while and it's and they want to write everything. They want to put everything in the show. So it can't necessarily fit in right away. But, you know, I remember I was having a meeting with uh, Karen Bass, Congresswoman Karen Bass. Mm-hmm. And she said, listen, you all need to put this on the show. This is a few years ago. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, that the number one trafficked human being in America is a 14 year old black girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if those stats have changed since we first talked. I pray that they have, Mm -hmm. but believe that young black girls are still the um, among, if not the most trafficked human beings on the planet. And so the writers wrote that into the show. And for me, that's that's why I'm so proud of the show, is that they're going to have those conversations and make folks at home get their entertainment. You're going to get your entertainment. You're going to get your sexy. You're going to have your feels and clutch your pearls. But you're also going to have a conversation about, does that really happen? And the right. answer is yes. Yes, right. it's happened. Right. And it's happening in neighborhoods you would not expect in places you would not assume. Uh, and typically, you know, America doesn't care as much when they're, you know, darker skinned uh, young girls. When they're blonde hair and blue eyed, we, they stay on the news. Yeah. Um, but when they're, you know, young black women, typically not as much. And then that's reflected in the fact that the cop doesn't believe them when they tell them that there's young girls being trapped. And so it's all these assumptions and biases that people have. Right, and it's not about saying anybody's a horrible, evil human being out the box inherently, but it's about saying you have bias, and you got to recognize that because if you can't recognize your bias, then you're you're not helping me. Wow, you in fact can be part of my problem.
2: He plays the character Doctor Ben Warren. Now he's playing firefighter Ben Warren on Station 19 Thursday, March 11th. They're coming back on ABC. Uh- Jason George, I always call you Ben. Jason George, <laughs> hey, I, I answer to it all. I, answer, look, I grew up Jay- in the family. I got, I got. I'm one of three boys:
3: Johnny, Jason, Jarvis. And so I answer to anything. <laughs> J- 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 you know, I'm talking to you. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I know.
2: So if you my say, man, I got you. Hey, my man, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Tell your story because you know I, I air on a lot of HBCU school affiliates and uh, it's just a just a growing market of being able to let black people see real black people tell their stories and their rise and being consistently part of the process and you're part of the process because I want to bring you back on because you have a lot of stuff you do with unions in the community but more importantly they got you on there to talk about the premiere and I wanted to make sure I did that correctly about Station 19 this Thursday March 11th make sure you guys don't miss it because you won't miss this guy he's on TV all the time he'll be dancing between Grey's Anatomy he'll be doing Station 19 he's a great actor he's a great friend Jason George thanks for coming on Money Making Conversation
3: Oh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. I'll
2: come back anytime. Appreciate you. You If you want to hear more money interviews on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.
1: In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tomorrow's Mega Millions jackpot is over 300 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fines.